to this day, what instantly makes me cry is seeing uh, people walking out of the hospital with their newborn babies. It makes me cry with a wonder of how incredible to be able to, how lucky you are to be able to walk out of that hospital with your newborn baby. And, and I, I want to rush up to people and just say, you are so lucky. You know, isn't this the, the greatest miracle ever that you, you are taking a baby home? Welcome to the RMA podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Nicole Bunyan, founder of Running Mums Australia. Each episode, I will be speaking to everyday women who have an inspiring story to tell. We will cover the highs and lows of their own journey, the impact motherhood has had on their life, and how running has inspired them to live wilder, dream bigger, and change the world around them. Thank you for joining us on this new adventure that will hopefully leave an imprint for you to live out your own life inspired to conquer goals you never thought possible. Hello everyone, welcome back to the second part of our Running for Premature Babies RMA podcast episode. I hope you loved last episode with Amy O'Halloran and my mum Judy Shulstad talking about their experience with premature birth. Today I'm excited to share our next guest with you, Sophie Smith, who founded Running for Premature Babies. 15 years ago, Sophie and Ash Smith were really excited when they found out they were expecting their first children and they were to be triplets. However, around 21 weeks into her pregnancy, Sophie went into premature labor when her waters broke. Five days later, her beautiful boy, Henry, who was born at 21 and a half weeks, was born. He lived for only one precious hour and he died in her arms. She was told then that her next two babies were going to come within the next 24 hours. However, they defied the odds and they lasted until 24 weeks where they were told that they would have a 50% chance of survival. It was then that Evan and Jasper were also born. Sophie shares with us the highs and lows of what that experience was like for her. The 58 days that she spent in the neonatal intensive care unit watching her babies Evan and Jasper fight for their lives. At 10 days old, Evan became very ill with a brain hemorrhage and he was removed from life support and died in her arms. Jasper fought on and they had some wonderful bonding times together. He spent a total of 58 days in the hospital until his lungs collapsed from chronic lung disease and he died in her arms. She spent 82 heartbreaking days in hospital fighting for her boys and we discuss the impact that this had on her life and her husband, Ash, and how this led them to found Running for Premature Babies. I also want to dedicate this podcast to all the people that have dealt with having premature babies or babies that haven't made it. And I also want to dedicate this podcast to Ash, Sophie's beautiful husband, who has since passed away from terminal brain cancer. As you can see in this episode, Sophie is an amazing person, a beautiful spirit, and the work that she does is incredible and something that I think as running women, we should all support. I had a great conversation with Sophie and I loved getting to know her more and the incredible work that she does. People like Sophie are rare gems and the experiences that she has had the trauma and the grief that she has gone through have led her to doing the most amazing things for others. And for that, we should be incredibly grateful. Let me introduce you to Sophie Smith. Before we begin, a message from this week's sponsor, Physiocram Massage Gel. Physiocram has been helping Running Mums Australia to achieve their running goals for years now and ease those post-training muscular aches and pains. Hurting sucks and Physiocram has our back. 
To get your own PhysioCram, head to www.physiocram.com.au. Don't forget, if you're a member of the member program, you can get 20% off with your member code. You can also find PhysioCram at your local pharmacy. So Sophie, welcome to the RMA podcast. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for having me. Very excited. Uh, we've been chatting for quite a long time now um, on Facebook and through Messenger about what you do. Um, but before we dive in to what running for premature babies does, that's not all of who you are. So I just wanted to get a little bit of background. I like to ask all our guests a little bit of background about where they're from, where they grew up. Um, and how running entered their lives. So do you want to give us a little snippet of your life? Sure. I have to start by saying whenever anyone asks me where I'm from, I always go a little bit, I always have a little sort of inside panic because for most people it's a really simple question. But for me it's a little bit more complicated because um, I was born in Japan and I've lived in I think about 15 countries. I grew up, um, my because of my dad's job, we moved all over the world and um, I went to boarding school in England. My parents are British, were, my dad's passed away, but my, um, so I'm British first before I became Australian and um, grew up in Asia, all over Asia, went to boarding school in England. And um, yeah, so when people ask me where I'm from, I never quite know if I'm from, I'm not from Japan. I was born in Japan, but <laughs> I'm not Japanese. And um, I haven't really spent much time in the UK apart from to go to school and um, university and then I, I um, worked in the UK for a couple of years before I then pushed off again. Yeah, um, wow. yeah. Well, I guess the accents from your parents, I guess, yes. you brought up with them. And, and what was it like being in a boarding school? Like what age did you start? I went at 10 actually. Um, and uh, yeah, I loved it. Um, and my, I didn't see my parents uh all term they were on the other side of the world of course it was very difficult to even phone calls we didn't have we used to have like a one a three minute phone call halfway through the term and that was it wow. <laughs> um but um yeah no I, I loved it luckily and um yeah I have some great memories of boarding school wow that's it's like another world to me to think of boarding school I mean is it it's quite a yeah. common thing I I guess for a lot of people, but then in Australia, it's really not very common. Yeah. And now that, you know, my youngest, well, youngest, yeah, Harvey is um, 10, same age that I was when I went off to boarding school. When I went off to boarding school, I got on an airplane yeah. on, well, with my older sister and, um, you know, even go getting on a 24 hour flight on our own without, <laughs> without adults. And I look at my little boy who comes into my bed every night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might not go so well if you were to ship him off. <laughs> so what sort of stuff did being like, at, well, I'm really interested in this. What did um, being at boarding school teach you? Like, I guess it probably made you a bit more resilient. In I think, well, do you know what? I think it did. Yeah. I mean, I think I had to learn to, um, be quite you know um independent and just be able to be yeah I think um it did teach me to be resilient yeah yeah so how did you enter into living in Australia well I was actually living in Thailand before I came to Australia I was working um I'd been in Thailand for four years I was a primary trained as a primary school teacher and I was working in Thailand for VSO which is voluntary service overseas and I was working in a really fascinating job up in the north of Thailand on the border with Burma where I was working as a um, teacher trainer teaching uh, refugee women in the Burmese refugee camps to be primary uh, sorry uh, preschool teachers and so I was running uh, training courses in refugee camps in the north of Thailand and uh, I'd been there for four years and it was basically my job had wrapped up up in Thailand and it was time to go home, which was back to the UK. And I sort of decided to do a little detour and come via Australia <laughs> and have a bit of a holiday. And then um, I landed in Australia. I started working as a teacher here and then I met Ash fell in love and that was the end of the story and never went back. <laughs> <laughs> That's often people's stories when they yeah. come here, <laughs> find love, then you never want to leave here. Absolutely. It's a country to live, you know. Um, we have such a, a beautiful country to live in and a nice weather and <laughs> active Absolutely. I'm, I still, yeah, 
pinch myself every day actually is think this is my home yeah the last 20 years yeah so where did running enter your life um so my dad was a very good runner he used to run marathons and in like amazing crazy times like three and a half hour marathons and um but i was actually never a runner um growing up at all and um when i was living in thailand um initially i was living in the south of thailand and i volunteered at the phuket triathlon one year and i was just so amazed watching these people you know it was amazing watching the um the elites obviously the elite athletes but also i was probably even more amazed by these kind of ordinary people doing this triathlon and um so i did actually the following year do the phuket triathlon but that was totally um the first time really I'd ever done any sort of running at all or swimming or cycling. Um, but that was just a one-off. And then when I came to Australia and I met Ash, we used, we started running. He was, he ran a bit. And so we just used to run for fun, but, um, and you know, run a little bit, never do anything, you know, we used to do city to surf every year actually. Yeah. And, um, but it wasn't until after losing our triplets when Ash said, why don't I run a half, a half marathon? That was my first half marathon. Um, so yeah, that's really what started me running, uh, you know, consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that now. That's the reason we've got you on the podcast is to share all about your journey, um, with about your beautiful boys and also share about the foundation that you founded, which is running for premature babies. And, um, you know, as RMA women, we really want to get behind this cause because, Obviously, all of us are mothers and our babies are so precious to us. And when tragedy strikes and, and our babies are born early or unfortunately some of our babies pass away, um, we want to band around those women and those mothers that have lost their babies. Um, yeah, I mean, your community is absolutely incredible. <laughs> you know, what you have created with Running Mums is just, is just so beautiful, oh, so supportive. You. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's why we exist is to support each other and to build each other up and get behind things like this. And so I've got the platform to be able to share about the incredible work that lots of people do, but I really want to share about the work that you guys do. Um, and I think, you know, instead of me telling the story, um, do you want to explain to everybody the story about how running for premature babies came about? Sure. So 15 years ago, almost exactly. So 15 years ago, um, I was, I thought I was the luckiest person in the world. I was newly married to Ash and we were absolutely beyond excited to find out that we were um, expecting triplets. And um, yeah, it, it was, you know, it was just amazing. And um, we spent the first six months of our pregnancy preparing for our instant family and remember I bought a, a triplet buggy which we assembled and sat in our hallway waiting it's a precious cargo and we bought all these luxuries we'd never had before like a dishwasher and a dryer for all those bottles and all those clothes that we'd be washing anyway um unfortunately when I was 21 weeks into my pregnancy I found myself at hospital being told that my waters had broken and at that early gestation nothing could be done to save my babies and that they would be born within 24 hours and um, that was the start of this roller coaster through the next 82 days um, during which time we went from hope to despair and back to hope again several times over but um, which ultimately ended in us losing all three of our boys so I didn't actually go into labor as as expected um, within 24 hours but five days later i gave birth to our first little boy henry and henry was born at 21 and a half weeks um we knew that he had no chance of survival at that early gestation no intervention is given um and henry lived for one very very precious hour um and in fact i've always felt uh, incredibly comforted to know that henry spent his whole life in my arms and he knew nothing but love um, we, at that stage, we were told that Evan and Jasper, our other two babies would, um, arrive within, you know, hours of Henry's birth, but they didn't. And, um, we were taken back to the antenatal ward and, and told that there were three weeks between, for our babies, between, um, 
before our babies would be able to be saved and the chances of staying pregnant for that long were so incredibly slim. Mm -hmm. But uh, somehow we managed to make it and we made it to 24 weeks gestation, which was um, in itself such a miracle. And we were told that if our babies were born at that stage, they would have a 50% chance of survival. And from my perspective, having gone from no chance of survival to go to 50% chance of survival, I thought those were pretty good odds. Um, but of course was hoping that we would then remain i was going to remain pregnant for many more weeks to come but unfortunately evan and jasper were born at 24 weeks um i my waters broke again at that stage and um and they were born um but they were um they actually had a really great first week and um we were told that if they didn't that the major complications usually set in within the first few days um, but we had a great first week, uh, they were both doing really well, they were both taking my milk, which I was expressing, and we weren't allowed to hold them or really even touch them at all in those early days. Um, we just spent hours sitting by their humidity cribs and talking to them through the windows and telling them how much we loved them and how, um, you know, um, we just believe, I, I 100% believed that they were going to make it. But then when they were 10 days old, um, Evan became very ill. Well, actually he became very ill when he was about seven days old and all sorts of things started going wrong with him. And then at 10 days old, we were told that he had had a massive brain hemorrhage. And um, the really absolutely worst moment was um, being told that we, we should remove his life support and let him die. So the first time I actually ever held Evan was as um, as the doctors removed his his machines, and he died in my arms. Um, that was a really, yeah, one of the. I mean, of course, it was all all terrible, but um, it wasn't all terrible. It wasn't all terrible at all. Their deaths were both all terrible. Um, but anyway, uh, Jasper then did really well, and. Um, Around the time actually when Evan was very sick, Jasper was doing really well, which was, which was great because it meant that we could focus on Evan at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but our little Jasper um, fought on, he doubled his birth weight. We had some really wonderful uh, times together. There were times we were able to take him out of his humidity crib and hold him um, because he was doing well. There was even one time when I, he, he was fed um, by, obviously, he was fed my milk through a tube into his stomach, but there was one time when I held him and he just instinctively latched onto my boob and it was just so amazing, you know, to have that experience. Mm -hmm. um, he literally just took one suck and fell asleep, but it was just so sweet to, to have that experience of being a mother and to be able to be more involved also in his care. We were able to um, change his nappy and wash his face twice a day just through the windows of his humidity crib. And um, um, yeah, it was really amazing to see how uh, he even recognized our voices and would try and turn his head when he heard us. And, it, and we had some really beautiful um, times together. But when he was 58 days old, his lungs collapsed and he suffered from chronic lung disease, um, which is really common with premature babies. But um, at 58 days old, his lungs collapsed and um, Luckily, we were there at the hospital and um, they took Jasper out of his crib and again, we held him and um, he passed away at that stage. So, yeah, it was 82 days from my waters breaking to when Jasper finally died. I really totally believed that um, Jasper was going to be our survivor right up until the moment. I mean, there were several times during his life when we were called into the hospital because he was very sick and, and, and they didn't think he was going to pull through. And each of those times he did. And, and I just always thought that even at the time when we took him out of the crib and held him as he died, I just thought, I think he's going to amaze us all again and, and he's going to pull through, but it wasn't to be. So, um, yeah. Oh. What a, just you sharing that story, and I'm sure you've had to share this story so many times with the work that you do, and I'm sure every single time you share it, it kind of brings back those memories and, and the heartbreak of yeah. losing your precious babies. But, I mean, there's so many things I want to ask about those moments, but I guess the first thing I want to ask is 
how did you keep going through the roller coaster? Through that roller coaster, it was the thing that kept us going was just always holding on to hope. Like when my waters broke the first time and I didn't go into labor straight away, as they said I would, you know, we, we had a scan the next day and it showed that the babies were all alive and they were, you know, they were okay. We could see one baby lost, it was Henry had lost a lot of water, but I actually said to the doctor, is there any chance, any chance at all that they might all be okay and I might not go into labor. And it was like three, four days later. Mm. And I remember the doctor kind of saying, well, there's probably like a 1% chance. Mm. And I just thought 1%, well, that's, I mean, you know, it was less than 1% that I chance I get pregnant with triplets. I mean, that happens. Yeah. So it was just holding on to the, the hope that, you know, the, the hope and I guess, you know, after, Evan died I held on to the hope for Jasper and even though they didn't survive I've never regretted the hope that I had and and even like today I have um I treasure the few uh, cards that we received at Evan and Jasper's birth congratulating us on their arrival mm. um we didn't receive very many but the few that I did receive I just love because to me they're um they're an you know they they they're proof to me of the hope that we held for them. Mm. Um, so I think that's what got us through. And um, yeah, just knowing that, that we had to, um, we, we, I mean, know how lucky I was to have, to have made it that far, you know, how lucky I was to have 58 days with Jasper. Mm. And I still, I'm so grateful that we, that we had that time and that we didn't lose them all with Henry at one hour, you know, the fact that I, we got to know Jasper in, in a way that we didn't get the opportunity to get to know ja Henry and Evan. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. What did it feel like to you when, you know, you first had the babies and they were in the humidity cribs or in the, yeah, you can't touch them. You can't hold them. You can't do anything for them. Did that give you that feeling of helplessness as a mother? I just, I knew that I had to wait and I knew, um, yeah, I mean, I felt helpless in that I couldn't, yes, I couldn't, I wished I could do more to help them and I couldn't as their mum, exactly, you know, I could just sit by their humidity group. I couldn't even, you know, I couldn't even do the basic, you know, I couldn't even, well, the, all I wanted to do was rip them out of their humidity group and hold them close to me. Yeah. But I also was, even when I was told with Jasper, the first time they said to me, do you want to hold him? You know, when it wasn't just because he was going to die. Do you want, you know, we can take him out now, you can hold him. I was actually scared because I didn't want to be doing it for me because I knew that I, want, I just wanted what was best for Jasper. And I, I'd heard as well, which was quite confronting that for a premature baby, they don't like to be touched. They don't want to be held or touched because it hurts them because their skin is not but fully developed. And I just wanted, uh, you know, to wait until Jasper wanted to be held. And of course, you know, I'm sure he wanted to be held, but I didn't want to hurt him. So it was a difficult, it was, it was, it was hard, mm -hmm. but then it was lovely to know, to see um, actually how much um, touching Jasper did help because when we got to the stage where we could put our hand through the window and, and stroke his head and, 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 you know, um, and touch him sometimes he'd be having a desat and you could see his numbers on the screens you know he was, he was crashing and then i remember one time ash they were the nurses and the doctors were working away to try and you know get his 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 sats back up and ash put his hand in and just started stroking his head and straight away looking at the screens i was like oh my god that's actually he's calming down now because he knows his dad is there and um so that was really lovely to know that we did have a role to play and that you know something as simple as just him knowing we were nearby mm. actually um actually helped yeah i mean i've talked to a few people um recently about their experience of having premature babies you know and one of them was my own mother and you know 44 years ago 44 years ago when there wasn't as much technology even as there is now in fact my mom didn't even know that she was having twins till practically three weeks before we were born so I'm a twin with my sister Melanie and uh, Melanie was born like she went into labor 
much like you and the waters broken she had her and then an hour and a half later i was born by cesarean and and they you know i was a lot sicker than melanie was and i asked mum what the hardest part was about that experience having us in the hospital and she said the hardest part was when she had to leave the hospital without her babies mm. um what was that experience like for you when when you had to go home from the hospital and you weren't able to stay there and they were in there with, and you went home with empty arms. I stayed in the hospital from when my waters broke with Henry until um, our boys were seven days old. And I, I just, I did not want to leave the hospital. And I, I'd had a um, complicated cesarean at their birth and, so had to stay in for those extra days. And, um, and then they, they told me it was time for me to go home. And I was so terrified of leaving the hospital. We were lucky to only live about six minutes away from the hospital, but I didn't want to leave the, you know, I hadn't even left. I couldn't leave the, asked for leaving to go out for a quick dinner or anything, I wouldn't leave. And on that day, they assured me that, you know, they would, you know, we were so close and, that, you know, everything would be fine. And of course, sadly, I got, I mean, leaving was awful. It was terrible, leaving the hospital and leaving them behind. And um, then I got home, went to bed. And about two hours after, at about, at about midnight, the phone rang and they said, can you come quickly? And that's when we went we rushed that was the first of many awful late late night trips back into the hospital and we went back into the hospital and evan was lying there you know had having had his brain hemorrhage and i was just devastated that that, that i wasn't there and um and then the rest of um the, the rules were different back then in terms of visiting hours i know now that you can go in any time um to the NICU but um, we there was a very strict quiet time when there were three hours in the middle of the day when you weren't allowed to be there and I, I also understand that in order to survive the you know the marathon that is the NICU um, journey you, you know mums and dads need to be able to go home and sleep and that's what they were always telling me but um, yeah for many many years after they died I actually did beat myself up quite a lot about the times that I wasn't at their bedside mm -hmm. and that if only you know I hadn't you know if only I hadn't left Evan on you know on that day or even um, with Jasper you know there were times when I went home and slept for three hours at lunchtime and and then afterwards you know I thought oh if I'd known I only had 58 days I would have insisted on staying by his bedside 24 hours a day but you know obviously it's not possible and um but it was it it was really hard not being not being able to have them, and and I, I remember sometimes people would say things, and they didn't. It's not that anybody ever meant any harm, but sometimes people would say things not really quite understanding, and saying things like, "Oh, you're lucky, <laughs> you're lucky." And I know other people who've had premature babies are talking the same thing. Oh, you're lucky, you can get a good night's sleep. And it's like what I would give to to have. A baby screaming and not you know at my bedside and be able to hold a child and comfort them and you know feed them and yeah but um i think yeah. that physical um distance is very difficult when your instincts as a mother is just to you know to hold your baby to your yeah. to your chest did you feel that like i mean obviously you did and feel that um you know you're in a hospital as well you're in NICU but i'm sure you're not far away from the general maternity ward or you see people as you're coming going to the coffee shop or whatever with their new babies taking them home and as a first time mom like when you're looking at these people like with the inverted commas quote you know typical birth uh, you know beautiful babies born everyone comes to visit it's all happy and they take their baby home in the pram and everything's sweet like, did you feel a little bit like, I guess, envious of that or upset that that wasn't your experience? Um, even though, even though my boys were, you know, they were, they were so tiny that Ash's wedding ring fit around their arm like a bracelet. They were so 
you know, even though their eyes were, they were born with their eyes sealed shut, Evan never even opened his eyes, they hadn't even developed. Um, even though they looked, you know, they were bright red because their skin wasn't developed. Honestly, I, you could have shown me the most beautiful, bouncy, eight pound baby in that hospital and I would have hands down said that my babies was the most, the most beautiful babies I'd ever seen. Um, yeah, it, I, I think I just wanted to, I just wanted to shout to everybody that, did you know that my babies are upstairs? My babies are just, you know, I just wanted to tell everybody about these incredible boys that were upstairs in the neonatal intensive care unit. I, I um, to this day, to this day, what instantly makes me cry is seeing uh, people walking out of the hospital with their newborn babies. It, may, I, I want to, it makes me cry with a wonder of how incredible to be able to, how lucky you are to be able to walk out of that hospital with your newborn baby. And, and I, yeah, I, I want to rush up to people and just say, you are so lucky, you know, isn't this the, the greatest miracle ever that you, you are taking a baby home? Um, yeah, and when I finally, uh, you know, two years later, when I took, we took our um, beautiful, healthy, newborn baby Owen out of the hospital home, I just, oh, it was so wonderful. I, as I was walking out of the hospital, I just felt like somebody was going to tap me on the shoulder and say, oh, excuse me, sorry, no, put the baby back. <laughs> 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 the baby can't go home okay. I felt like I was sort of taking him you know stealing him and as I walked out of the hospital I and drove home I literally cried and cried and cried and they were tears of utter joy for being able to take my baby home and they were tears of 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 grief for our three little boys who'd never had the chance to go home yeah and I can imagine that that whole mess of emotion like blending in like it's overwhelming like mm. you've experienced so much um in those 58 days of mm. of of joy and trauma and grief and every emotion you can possibly think of um what was it like for you going through your pregnancy with owen like how did you feel during that time were you excited or were you really concerned and worried about what this pregnancy was going to look like? Um, well, I knew it was, it felt so different. I'd never been pregnant with, I'd only ever been pregnant with triplets. So being pregnant with one just felt so, so different. Um, of course I knew that, you know, um, the, the, the risk, the high risk of the, of the triplet pregnancy wasn't, the same with Owen uh, however um so I and I was I, I was okay it was it was difficult going through the milestones um and I think also once you know I got to 21 weeks I knew exactly you know that it was a bit more real to me because I knew what Henry looked like and felt like and 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 same with Evan and Jasper and as as we went through the the pregnancy I those milestones were difficult and but i and i didn't buy anything i didn't prepare anything with henry jasper and evan we had a cot set up we had a buggy set up we had everything ready mm -hmm. and with owen even though i knew there wasn't the same risk of losing him i didn't want to prepare anything at all i didn't even i had nothing the only thing we had was when i got to 24 weeks Ash, it was actually Ash who encouraged me and he said, should we just buy one thing? And so we went to the shop and we bought a Bonds Baby Grow and it was so sweet. It was a, a newborn size, little, we didn't know if he was a boy, it was a little white baby grow. And I put it on a tiny hanger and I hung it on my wardrobe at the end of my bed. So that every morning I'd look up and I'd see that one little outfit. But do you know, it was something I never even told Ash. Mm. My thought was, if he dies, that's what, I'm going to, that's what he's going to wear when I bury him. Oh. And so that was my 
my my thought was so that was definitely even though I, I don't think I think I could have been a lot more anxious than I was deep down you know the fact that that was my thought of what this outfit was for and even uh, just before he was born I start I suddenly started to think of all the things that could go wrong mm. um, and was just desperate he, he was a said scheduled Caesar um, because of my previous a difficult Caesar and um, I did get quite anxious in the last couple of weeks thinking I'm sure he's safer now out than in because he's I knew that once you get to you know 37 weeks it's full term anyway so why the hell did they just take him out because yeah. I, keep, I wanted to keep him safe um, so uh, yeah but but actually having Owen and being a, having a baby who I was allowed to hold mm. and allowed to feed whenever I wanted was just incredible I don't think I put him down for six months he hung off my boob literally it was open bar <laughs> everybody told every moment everybody he's actually turning 13 next week every moment I remember how many people told me how I was absolutely like ruining this poor child because I was going to turn him into such a brat because he got everything he wanted. But I have to say, he's now a very nice little boy, big boy. He's that's 10, 13. Wow, that's so funny. Um, you're yeah. just soaking up every single moment that you can have with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a joyous occasion, I guess, when he was born and the experiences that you didn't get to have and Ash was so was so incredible because he I mean he literally didn't leave my side when I was in the hospital after my waters broke with Henry Ash did never left my side he slept on a chair by my bedside in the hospital he was you know shared in in everything and then with Owen he was such a doting dad and um insisted on doing we insisted on doing everything together so every nappy change we'd both be heading every bath time he'd come home from work and he actually had a bath with Owen for about the first 18 months of Owen's life every day and would you know we'd both read the bedtime story and we would both go in in the night if he was crying <laughs> we, we we he was yeah he was he was um really uh so totally besotted mm. and was it a similar experience with Harvey when he was born yeah, but Har well, Harvey was, that was a, that's another whole story in itself because Ash was diagnosed with brain cancer when Owen was six months old mm. and um, told he would only live a year. Um, so we, we straight away started um, uh, IVF because we had to do frozen, uh, you know, Ash had to start treatment that was going to affect his sperm. So we had to do IVF for Harvey. And we wanted to get on and have a baby straight away because we didn't know how long Ash would live. Mm. Um, so Harvey's birth, so it took a, a year of IVF, um, six rounds of IVF before we fell pregnant with Harvey. And um, Harvey's birth coincided with Ash being in remission from brain cancer, which is pretty much unheard of. Mm. So uh, yeah, Harvey's, Harvey's arrival was absolutely amazing. And I've never you know, stopped... Um, feeling the gratitude for Harvey, the fact that we were so lucky to have Harvey and we were so lucky that Ash was well when Harvey was born. And um, so that was a really incredible, incredible time. Mm. And mm. like we could have a whole podcast about that experience, mm -hmm. I'm sure. And, mm. and I did want to touch on that, you know, losing Ash and, and what that meant for you. And obviously he was such a great dad and amazing father and and he helped you found running for premature babies. I mean, what, how did how did that actually play out after you? Yeah. So after Jasper died, um, and I was you know home from hospital. I was still on maternity leave, you know, empty arms, horribly quiet house. Um, and Ash, we, we Ash and I, well, Ash was amazing and helped me through after Jasper died and. He used to, we used to, you know, talk about Henry, Jasper and Evan all the time. The last words before we went to sleep every night was we would say their names. Mm -hmm. And um, we also had spoken about the fact that we knew that a lot of the machines that had kept our boys alive in hospital had been donated and that the hospital relied on fundraising for 70% of the equipment in their unit. 
and we'd realized this when we were in hospital and so we wanted to do something in our boys names because we felt like we, we sort of we talked a lot about the fact that even though our babies had gone we were still their parents and i felt like i had a job to do to ensure that something good could come from our boys and it was up to me to do something so but i didn't know what to do so ash then said oh there's a half marathon coming up why don't we train for that and we could raise a little bit of money for the hospital so then i just thought this was a brilliant idea i suddenly i, I just had this renewed sense of purpose once i had this plan and i just thought that's brilliant like running 21 kilometers i i don't think i could do that but yeah i can do that for my boys and then i found out that a, the hospital needed some new humidity cribs and they cost twenty thousand dollars so i thought great we'll raise twenty thousand dollars but I can't raise $20,000 on my own, so I'll just get people to run with me. So I made a little flyer, I put it around our local uh, air, um, suburb, we put it around some cafes and some gyms, basically just telling my story, saying that my babies had died, I wanted to provide a humidity crib in their, in their memory. Would anyone like to join us? And Ash actually was a bit worried because I remember he came home from work one day and I was all excited and I'd made flyers and I'd done this. I said, look what I've done. And I think he was trying to protect me from, from being sort of um, deeply disappointed. And he said, I'm not sure anyone's going to, to do it, but that's okay because they don't know us. And, you know, maybe we'll just ask a few friends. Why don't you just ask your friends? That'd be enough. Anyway, I said, I promise I, I just want to try. So I put this out. Literally, like that day, my phone rang and it was this woman, Haley. I didn't know and she rang to say that she had had identical twin girls Olivia and Maisie who had died at their birth 10 years earlier and it was their 10th birthday coming up and she'd always wanted to do something for Olivia and Maisie and she said can I join you and can I do this for Olivia and Maisie and I was just thought this is amazing of course so Hayley came and joined and then next thing I know all these people started ringing me joining up I started asking people everywhere I went I wonder I was at on the queue for the bus and I basically asked everyone in the queue like hey anyone like to run a half marathon and somebody somebody said yes everyone else just ignored me like I was some crazy <laughs> woman, <laughs> <a> crazy woman. <laughs> um, anyway we ended up with 98 runners on our team and we raised eighty thousand dollars wow that was four uh, mini cribs. <laughs> seven months after Jasper died, the, the half marathon. So that was incredible. And at that time, Ash and I both then knew that this was the beginning of something. And that's really when running for premature babies came to be. Wow. Um, and then we just grew from there. So from there, we, so for many years, well, up until Ash died, we were just, I did this as uh, on the side, I was teaching. And I did it on the side and I just every year would gather a team of people together to run the SMH half marathon. And we got bigger, we got to about 250 runners. And every year we'd have 250 runners and we'd raise money and we'd donate it to the Royal Hospital for Women. And we would always know what we were fundraising for. And we provided a lot of equipment. We funded research um, into premature birth. Um, and then over the years, Ash and I had talked about how it was growing and we talked about the possibility of uh, becoming our own foundation in order to grow to support more hospitals mm -hmm. and have a, a bigger impact to um, premature babies around the country. But it was just sort of a dream that we talked about. And then um, coming up to the 10th year of running for premature babies and the 10th year of what would have been Henry Jasper and Evans' 10th birthday, probably the year before we'd spoken about it and thought, what are we gonna do for their 10th birthday? Let's do something special. And so we decided there were three things we wanted to do. We wanted to A, double the size of the team in the SMH half marathon, B, go to New York and run a full marathon. Neither of us had ever run a full marathon. And um, C, register running for premature babies as a charitable foundation. Mm. So we had all this, this, this idea with this plan and then Ash's cancer returned. And he had, uh, more brain surgery, more chemotherapy, more radiation on his brain. Um, and he actually, he was amazing. He, even at this time, he um, insisted on running the Sydney Morning Herald Half Marathon. That was his last Sydney Morning Herald Half Marathon, 2015. Mm. Uh, he was really not good at all. Uh, he just completed a 
nine months of chemo. Um, each time he had more surgery and more chemo, it affected his, I mean, the, it affected him in, in different ways. Um, and um, physically, he was uh, yeah, unsteady on his feet. And anyway, but we, he, amazingly, we did this Sydney Morning Health Half Marathon together that year in 2015. During that time, I, I didn't ever then talk again about the 10 year um because i just didn't know what what was going to be and i just wanted you know i didn't want to worry about the 10 year anniversary anyway um unfortunately ash's cancer then took over and um he passed away in february 2016 three months before the half marathon and after ash died i knew pretty much straight away that i wanted to for Ash and for our boys, I wanted to achieve those three things. And so I threw myself straight back into SMH half marathon recruiting. Um, we ended up with 560 runners, so double the size of our team on race day. Um, something that kind of interestingly, I guess for just because this is a running podcast, I had run, I'm not a great runner, and I had run in that very first year of running for premature babies, I'd run my fastest my first half marathon was my fastest half marathon and every year since then i got progressively slower um you know one year you know i had owen uh, around the first year the second year i didn't run because i was eight months pregnant with owen yeah. the third year owen was like four months old and so i ran super slow and then the next year i was way slower and then um, and then i had harvey and anyway again so i was always slower 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 and i never even really thought about time time wasn't anything it wasn't my priority at all but ash on the other hand was a very good runner and he was always trying to break 100 minutes like crazy. <laughs> for me like just totally crazy he was always way faster than me and um anyway i got so and so and after ash died it wasn't that long after ash died i suddenly got this crazy idea i suddenly thought I want to run a PB mm-hmm. and um, everybody said, and then I, I told a few people and a few people said, Oh no, 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 no. You, you don't need to do that. Don't put that pressure on yourself. It's, it's not why, why do you need to run a PB? <laughs> and I felt like it come from Ash. Mm. I felt like, and do you know what? I became a much better runner after Ash died. <laughs> and I felt like somehow, I don't know. I, he had given me the kind of running inspiration. Mm. And um, so I ran a PB in that half marathon. I was so happy. It gave me so much joy to know that I'd run this PB. Mm. And, um, and we, I went to New York with a team of 15 runners from Running for Premature Babies. And we registered Running for Premature Babies as a foundation. And so now that we're a charitable foundation, we, our vision for our charity is a better chance of survival and quality of life for premature babies. Mm-hmm. And we've now raised $4 million. Um, we've funded um, a lot of neonatal equipment. The Royal Hospital of Women has been our main beneficiary. Mm-hmm. So pretty much, well, a lot of the equipment in the neonatal intensive care unit here in Sydney is from Running for Premature Babies. But we've also funded equipment in uh, Queensland, Alice Springs, um, we're currently fundraising for the Flinders in Adelaide. Um, last year, we actually funded an, a neonatal ambulance for Queensland. So it's an ambulance that stays in the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. It's the first of its kind of a neonatal ambulance. So it travels around southern Queensland and northern New South Wales, and it picks up babies from region, premature babies that need neonatal intensive care. It goes and picks them up from um, regional hospitals that don't have the neonatal intensive care facilities and takes them back to Brisbane. And then when they're well again, it trans, well enough to return to their home hospital, it takes them back to their home hospital. So um, it's really lovely to know that now this, we've got this vehicle on the road um, in Queensland, uh, in Alice Springs, um, we've provided four new humidity cribs for Alice Springs, and that was replacing humidity cribs that were 20 years old. Mm-hmm. And the technology, you know, in the last 20 years, of course, you know, the advances in neonatal technology is incredible. Even since my boys were in the unit, the technology now available um, is so much more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And we've um, there's some amazing pieces of equipment that we've funded, but for me, the most sort of uh, the ones that are most pertinent to me are the ventilators. So 
the, the new ventilators are called a Nava ventilator. We provided the very first one in Australia. And these Nava ventilators use new technology, which means that babies like Jasper with chronic lung disease have a much better chance of survival. They're much gentler on babies' lungs. Um, they meet, there's babies now, um, like, there's, babe, there's one little girl, I was talking to her mum yesterday, who's, uh, uh, her name is um, Charlotte. She was born weighing 498 grams at 23 weeks. Wow. And she was told that without that Nava ventilator, she could not have survived. So um, she's now two and she's, wow. yeah. So um, it's, it's, it's lovely to know that charity is able to make a tangible difference. But now the charity is, has moved on. So it, although we are founded in memory of Henry, Jasper and Evan, mm -hmm. what I love is it's about so much more than Henry, Jasper and Evan. We have so many people join us to run and to fundraise who have also lost their babies. And we are equally running in memory of all of these babies. And also we're running to celebrate all of these beautiful children who have survived their prematurity. So, uh, you know, we are, we like one of my um, mission statements is to the running for premature babies. We celebrate all premature babies living and lost. And I like to be able to um, help other people to have an opportunity to speak aloud their babies' names, to celebrate their babies who've passed away, to come together to do something in honour of their own children in order to help others. Mm. Oh, it's so incredible. And like, I just, I could listen to you talking about it all day, actually. <laughs> it's just absolutely beautiful. And it's amazing, hard as it is and as tragic as your story is there's also triumph out of that story that's come about. I mean, obviously there was this deep purpose and Ash helped you bring that to life and the impact that it's had on people around our country is phenomenal. And all those beautiful babies have your foundation to thank and the people that support it and got behind it. Yeah, and that's the thing. So the only reason, you know, our success is because of the thousands of people um over five thousand people have actually run with running for premature babies so many thousands more have donated and people have given us you know have been so generous running bear the store running bear they give us our um shirts they have given us our shirts for nothing in return for all of these years. When I was in hospital, the, the actually the owner of Running Bear, Yolanda, was also in hospital with her little girl who was a premature baby. And um, Yolanda um, and her little girl is now 13. And um, Yolanda and Running Bear have, have just supported, have been so incredibly supportive. And, and you know, that is, you know, our team uniform has become part of our brand of Running for Premature Babies, our purple color. and. And, and it's because of their generosity and the generosity of all these many different people who have, you know, given us free training and um, given us, um, you know, supported us along the way. And, and um, that has been our, our success. And on our team uniforms, I always love to tell people that um, when, they're, when they're running and they're running for premature baby's shirt, if they start to feel like they can't go any further or they're, you know, they're, they're too tired, they, they can't get to the finish line, they can't get up that hill, to just remember that on the back of their shirt, they've got Henry Jasper and Evan's handprints, their, their little three little sets of hands are on their backs. And um, I always say, just remember their hands are on your backs and they'll push you along and they'll push you up, the, up that hill or over that finish line. And um, I think um, for me, I, I, I absolutely feel that. And I think it's that, Knowing, I think when you're running for any cause, running, many people run for all sorts of different wonderful causes and that extra inspiration when you're running to know that this race is not just about your finishing time, um, but is about so much more than that. And the fact that this run represents, you know, is able, in the case of our charity, uh, your run is helping to save the lives of premature babies. And, um, you know, when you think of what, what I think of if I'm running a long distance and I think about the, how hard it is and how tired I am. And then I think about my little boys and how hard they fought to just to 
to live and how hard every premature baby in every neonatal unit around this country is fighting um, to get through. And by comparison, running to the top of that hill or running a few extra K is really nothing. You know, in, a, in, in an hour's time, my run's gonna be over. But for those premature babies, that fight continues. And for many of these premature babies, that fight continues even after they come home from hospital. And we have many, many people on our team currently, right now, training and, uh, for an event around the country who have children who are continuing to, to struggle with ongoing effects of their prematurity. I have a team down in Adelaide who are training for Adelaide City to Bay, which is in September. And I have the most incredible team of volunteers down there. Um, a group of about nine women who are on the ground working to recruit and to, to get this uh, fundraise, this team off the ground in Adelaide. They're all parents of premature, prematurely born children. And um, one of them um, is Emma. Um, Emma's little girl, Willow, passed away about five weeks ago, one day before her first birthday, having been born um, prematurely and was fighting an ongoing battle. And Emma is such an incredibly brave woman and she is continuing to, she's running, we're actually dedicating that race to the memory of Willow. But all of those, all, Emma is incredibly brave, but, and, and all of the other committee members who all have children born prematurely. Uh, one other committee member has also lost her little boy, Max, and the others have all got uh, survivors of prematurity. But um, it's incredible to see, you know, the, the, the success of running for premature babies is really not because of me, it's because of, are all these amazing people who've you know put their hand up to help and yeah. so I, I like to always acknowledge all of these children um, who are equally as important as my little Henry Jasper and Evan mm. and that's just beautiful and it's so true like it's the collective you know that makes the difference on that note like what can we do to support running for premature babies I mean it's easy for people just to donate but what can we act actually do to make a real difference for your foundation as running women? Wow. Uh, well, there's many ways that you can, if anybody would like to join, to run an event for running for premature babies, um, or indeed you can do any, like take on a challenge of your own. Some people take on their own challenge and, and it doesn't really matter what that challenge is. Some people take on a challenge of, you know, doing a 200 kilometer ultra marathon, but the challenge for somebody else might be, uh, you know a 5k fun run so you can take on any uh, any event or challenge for running for premature babies or join a, a team so we've got currently got teams uh in the gold coast marathon festival um we've got Lockie gillespie our the purple wiggle uh is our ambassador he's running the 5k in that event we've got um adelaide city to bay we've got the sydney morning herald half marathon next weekend on the 27th of june that's still open actually for registrations yeah. we've got um city to surf in sydney um sunshine coast um We've also got every, well, starting from last November, but going forward, we'll do it every November, our Premier Marathon Challenge. So the Premier Marathon Challenge is a virtual uh, marathon, 42 kilometer marathon. But when you sign up, you can sign up to do it in either a day or over a week or over the whole month of November. And everybody gets a marathon medal at the end of it if they raise $50. So um, last year we had people from every single state and territory in the Premier Marathon Challenge. Even just following us on social media, you know, for some people might not want, you know, might not want to run for running for premature babies. But uh, if you could follow us on social media, share our posts, tell people about running for premature babies. But also, this isn't directly helping running for premature babies, but also um, in terms of kind of understanding of parents with prematurely born children living and lost is that um, to um, especially if you have friends who've lost babies to um, on special days like Mother's Day, that baby's birthday, or any time actually to never be afraid to speak aloud the name of that baby because for a parent who's lost a child, it's so rare to actually hear your baby's name spoken aloud and there's nothing more, more beautiful. I remember hearing a, a quote which was said, um, the sound of my baby's name may bring tears to my eyes, but joy to my ears and um 
I think that's the thing, not being scared to, to upset somebody. Mm. You're not reminding them that their baby's died. They haven't forgotten, but to actually just hear their baby's name aloud is so lovely. Uh, donate if you'd like to. Uh, even, you know, some people have set up, um, have fundraised for us without running, but, you know, we have a couple who recently got married and, and they, um, their child was born prematurely and they uh, donated wedding pre their wedding presents. They asked for donations instead of um, presents for themselves. But uh, just just uh, being aware of our charity, I guess, and 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 being aware of, of premature birth. That twenty six thousand babies are born prematurely in Australia every year, wow. and they need neonatal equipment and and funding for research in order to advance the care of premature babies. Mm. Uh, can I just quickly tell you about some research that we've just funded? Oh, it was it was on the news last week. Um, the announcement. So we funded. Um, research at the Royal Hospital for Women led by an amazing doctor called Dr. Tim Schindler. And he, one of his projects was, is a paracetamol project. And he's just made an incredible breakthrough, which has proven that one of the, um, has proven that um, giving a premature baby paracetamol within the first five hours of its life um, will significantly uh, well will increase the chances of a heart valve premature babies are often born with a heart valve still open because in utero the heart valve doesn't close until later in the pregnancy and the problem with the heart valve being open is the baby can need uh, some very uh, hardcore medication down the track which has got lots of side effects or the baby needs to have heart surgery and premature babies often need heart surgery to fix this valve but tim has uh, proven now that giving babies paracetamol in their first five days of life can mean that that heart valve will close naturally. Um, and so that uh, research we funded over the last three years has only just been published. And of course, the, the great thing about that is this kind of research is that this can be shared, not just with babies at the Royal Hospital for Women, but babies Australia-wide and actually internationally as well. Mm. And that's, that's, you know, the testament to the incredible work that your foundation does, you know, to be able to provide the funds to help fund research like that um, to impact those lives of those beautiful little babies. And I hope it can continue for many, many, many years to come. It's, I think it's just beginning. Um, Thank you. I hope so. I, it's Henry, it's Henry's um, and Jasper and Evan's 15th birthday coming up next month. And um, we always celebrate that with Owen and Harvey. Um, and, and we take a moment to celebrate them and what, what their lives have achieved. And um, I feel just so incredibly blessed to be their mum. And it's just so beautiful that you've shared this story with us, Sophie. Thank you so much for being so open. Um, I'm sure there's so many ways that we can support Running for Premature Babies um, as RMAs. And I look forward to hopefully working with you on something. I, I think that we need to do something together. And Oh, I'd love to. We can talk about that. But I, I think, you know, for those listening, just doing whatever you said before, like jumping on onto the website, join the team, create your own challenge. Like I'm thinking I might even, have, you know, I'm running a long race at the end of the year. Um, uh, which I'm actually struggling with motivation for, if I'm honest, like at Heisen, it's 115 kilometers. Wow. Um, I haven't run an ultra like that for quite a long time. Cool. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking I need something to actually run for. So I think I'm going to run for running. Oh, for that would be so awesome. Yeah, I think I'm going to do it. Can I send you, I'll send you a copy of my book. Oh, um, my book, it. Sophie's Boys. And if anybody would like to buy a copy of my book, it's just a donation to the, the charity. You can buy it on my website. But yes. I'll send you a copy, Nicole. And um, that that would be that would be amazing. Where is it? It's in South Australia, so it follows the Heisen Trail. I think I'm saying it right, Heisen, H E Y S O N. I think or S E N. I'm not quite sure. Um, but yeah, I I think as I've gotten older too, like running for me isn't about PBs or how far I can go. It's more about what impact I can have, what I can see, the journey, you know. And I think for me, I've needed a reason to run these days. And I mean, I am one of these people you're talking about who survived being premature. Um, Such an, and that's amazing. And I think it would be great to run for your charity. So I will, um, one, I'll put everything we've talked about in the show links. I'll put links to your website where they can get the book, yeah. Sophie's Boys. Um, and anything else you want to provide me, we can put it in there. But yeah, I think people can, 
you know, follow my journey. I'll share about it and hopefully raise a bit more money. When's the the, um, date? Uh, In October. So we've got a bit of time. Oh, Nicole, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been excited. Like I've literally... Those hands. I'll have to, I'll have to like, you know, Henry Jasper and Evan, I have a big job to do. They want to push you 115. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't remind me. But actually, I think that, you know, knowing that I've got this cause behind me will help me get to the end. You know, I think um, having having a reason to run is what's most important to me right now. So yeah, I'm look, I'm looking forward to that journey. And if I can just make a little impact, um, even if it's just awareness for the cause, um, it'll go a long way. That's really amazing. Wow. Well, thanks for joining us, Sophie. Thanks Um, for having me. It's such an honor to talk to you and your amazing community of women yeah where can people follow you online too so on facebook we're at running for premature babies or one word on instagram we're at running for prems all right i'll speak to you soon thanks a lot take care wow what an amazing conversation that was with sophie smith thank you for joining in these last two episodes all around running for premature babies if you'd like to help sophie and her foundation you can head to the Running for Premature Babies website, which is runningforprematurebabies.com. I'll put all the links in the show notes to Sophie's website, also Sophie's book, which is called Sophie's Boys. You can also sign up to the Premier Marathon Challenge in November. It's been a privilege to bring these podcasts to you as we celebrate 12 months of our podcasts. And I just wanted to say a quick thank you to all of your support and of course to our sponsor Physiocram Australia who help make this possible every fortnight. If you'd like to support the podcast please jump over and rate, subscribe and review and please share this with your friends. I look forward to sharing in the next episode with you next time.